From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue in scholarly, referential Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are code libraries and tutorials and tutorializing. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Welcome back, Stephen. Hi. It's good to have everyone back in the clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels good to be back. So how was Anime Central? It was really fun. Yeah? It was a lot of stuff. Yeah. A whole lot of stuff. I'm not really an anime, uh, so it was kind of weird. But like, there were like like 40% of the people who were at this thing were dressed up as a character mm-hmm. or wearing like anime stuffs, Yeah, which was really cool. And you couldn't um, identify any of their costumes? Pretty much. <laughs> 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 uh, but uh, There was no bald people... Doing one punch. <laughs> you know what? I don't, I don't remember seeing any one punch man. There were people dressed up as the, the green haired witch lady person. I don't know any. That doesn't really narrow it down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, I showed I showed off uh, Fingence and Treasure Stack at Anime Central, and they both did really well. Uh, there were uh, some minor bugs, of course, <laughs> as you expect when you show your game off at a place. You said crashes. <laughs> earlier yeah okay <laughs> some of those uh but <laughs> but it, it ended up going really well like people very much enjoyed uh both of the games mm-hmm. um i wasn't really at Findance a lot of the time because i was showing off treasure stack mainly yeah um but that's because you were being paid to be there. i was being paid to be there yeah. <laughs> they had to make sure to do that uh but uh like a lot of people were at Findance basically the entire time and the anime central is a 24-hour convention for three days mm-hmm. so that's huge. How did that? How did that work exactly? Uh, we, I just left Vengeance up the whole time. Okay, uh, you didn't worry about people. I didn't have anything expensive enough, sure, to be concerned about it. But um, mm-hmm. we turned we teared down uh, uh, Treasure Stack once we were done at like ten o'clock or something. Oh, okay, whenever we left. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, like it went really well. Cool. It was a very fun event. Uh, Martha has a car now. I know. This is, I don't know if any of our listeners care, but we are treating this like a big deal. It's huge, y'all. This is big. This is a huge deal. Everybody tweet Martha say congratulations on your nice car. But, well, nice car is not. Well, it's, it's no, it's, it's nice because it's a nice games club. Car. Oh, I see. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah. You didn't drive here to the clubhouse today so you could give us a spin in it because. It's raining. <laughs> See, the reason why this is a big deal is because I don't like driving very much and I'm very scared of driving. Like, it's very nerve-wracking for me. So, I had been waffling. Well, yeah. I mean, this is a there's long backstory. But anyway, um, I had been waffling around about getting a car and then Dylan was um, fed up with me waffling around <laughs> and his coworker were selling his car for really cheap and so he bought it and drove it home and was like, here is your car now. <laughs> Pay me oh, back. Because okay. when, when you first told this story, it was that you bought this car, but really just Dylan brought it home to you and forced the choice on you. Yes. And he was like, pay me back. Here's how much it was. <laughs> well done. Yeah. 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 But it's a, it's a 1992 Toyota Camry. Oh, cool. With one door a different color than the rest of it. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> Yep. That's good. Yeah. So this is episode ninety. Yes. Of Nice Games Club. Indeed it is. Um, which means we're coming up on episode one hundred, mm-hmm. and we were talking about this before the recording that like we kind of want to do something special, maybe do a giveaway maybe. or something. We yeah. don't really know. We were thinking maybe like merchandise. Yeah, maybe. could we? We, yeah, we, we have ten weeks to think about this. We do have a lot of time. So maybe we we're, tr- we're mentioning it now to maybe to elicit uh, your your help, listener, mm-hmm. uh, to maybe let us know like what would you like from our hundred episode hundred episode? We did a special episode uh, on the first year anniversary of the show, and that was fun. We revisited some old topics mm-hmm. and sort of did a little look back, and that was cool. Maybe something like that. I don't know. Uh, so listeners, get at us at Nice Games Club. Contact at NiceGames.club. Let us know what you want out of our 100th episode. Um, otherwise, it's just going to go by and no one will notice. <laughs> so, help we'll us ma- say, yeah, it's 100 episodes. <laughs> and that'll be it. <laughs> yeah. So help us make it special. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, Martha, what else you got? You have a fidget cube over there, right? <laughs> can you hear it? I can kind of hear it. That's basically how you... Oh, there it is. That's, that's a clicking, yeah. <laughs> Mark gave me a fidget cube because he didn't want it in his house, and I really like it. 
Yeah, because I, I was fidgeting with it too much, and I'm like, I don't need this in my life. <laughs> uh, I have enough. <laughs> I'm fidgety enough. Um, I got I picked it up at GDC. It was one of the pieces of swag at GDC from the Insomniac booth. Um, it's kind of cool. So yeah. it was Seth. cool to have a thing with an Insomniac logo on it, I guess. But I'm like, eh, when Martha, Martha saw it, she seemed to really like it. So I'm going to give it to her. <laughs> so that's Fidget Cube news. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what else is really big in the uh, gaming world right now, uh-huh. besides Fidget Cubes, is uh, pre-E3 news. Yeah. Yes. E3 is like coming right up. Like, yeah, in I, like two weeks. I, oh, I, wait. When you listen now. to this. Yeah. yeah. Pretty soon. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, it really kind of snuck up on me. Yeah, it, me too. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I guess in the past, did we have an episode on E3? We have. I think we did. did. We did yeah. E3 news last year, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the consensus around the table was, eh. Yeah. Well, yeah, last year wasn't super exciting. Yeah. I guess like it switched it already even out. And, like, that's all. Well, we already had heard that Mario Odyssey was coming. Right. Yeah. So it wasn't news. It wasn't news. We got to find out more about it, which was kind of cool. That's true. And yeah. we heard the theme song, which I still <laughs> get stuck in my head. Yeah. Uh, but. Um, yeah, I guess like I think we talked about it in the past, like the past few E3s I haven't been super excited about because I haven't been as excited about AAA games as I have yeah. when I was growing up. So that's, I guess that's kind of my feeling now, except Soul Calibur 6 is coming out soon and <laughs> it's rumored there will be a release date announcement, which will be great. Okay, so Steven's really excited about E3. <laughs> I'm really excited about Soul Calibur 6 yeah. <laughs> and Smash. <laughs> I've definitely got that way as I get older. There's yeah. one thing yep. I'm excited about yep. every, every year. It's like, that's that's what being an adult is. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't have enough time to be excited about all these other things. Yeah. I'll be interested to hear about the what's coming up for, for Destiny 2. Oh, okay. Because mm-hmm. um, they're going to do some announcements, apparently. Um, and then if Gearbox will say anything about anything they're doing, I would like that. <laughs> yeah. Anything besides Duke Nukem, Gearbox. Talk yeah. to me about Borderlands 3. <laughs> That's what I want to know about. <laughs> Gearbox is so funny. There's the three things they're really known for is Borderlands and then two stinkers, Aliens, yeah. Colonial Marines, <laughs> yeah. and, and the revival of Duke Nukem. And they like published those, right? Did they, they didn't make the game, right? They made both so. of those games. They made both of those games. Oh, they oh. made them? Yeah. Well. Um, with Duke Nukem, the, the, uh, the, the, the head of Gearbox was mm-hmm. a huge fan. And uh-huh. was like and loved it, and then rescued it, yeah, and then took the code base and threw most of it out, and then re, you know right. rebuilt it, so they put a lot of their teams on it, and actually did make and finish that game, and that's oh. what seems like so sad to me because <laughs> like that property is just doesn't need to exist in this world, and it only it only really finally came out because Gearbox loved that property, uh-huh. which is so weird, but yeah, it's just crazy because like the otherwise Borderlands, which is super cool, and and yeah. I don't know that's but it's just yeah. one third of their. So every time I hear Gearbox, I'm like, isn't that that company that sucks? <laughs> <laughs> I just want Borderlands 3. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that happened was Pokemon announcements. Yes. Um, Pokemon Let's Go and then some free to play Pokemon. Well, there's a, didn't like three Pokemon games get announced? Four Pokemon games get announced in like the span yeah. of a night? Technically, yeah. that's right. So there's, there's the Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu one. Mm-hmm. There's the, the, the one that looks like voxel cube yes. Pokemon. And that one came out the day it was announced. And that's the thing. It's free to play. No, it was like free to start is what they described it as. Uh-huh. I don't know exactly what that means. But okay. That means free to play. <laughs> Basically. Uh, and, then, uh, and then they announced another Pokemon game coming out on the Switch in 2019. Mm-hmm. Which we have no other details on other than it's existing. And and that it's like a main, it's like it's a, a main, it's like a regular. So it might be right. two titles. It, yeah, because that's how these things be. go, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that gets me is like I know it's we're it's past the point of ever complaining about this ever again, <laughs> but the fact that they release two copies of these things is fun. Is it though? Like, I mean, I know it's just a marketing ploy, but it's fun because <laughs> then you then you and your brother each get a different one, and mm-hmm. you have to fight over who gets which one, and then <laughs> right. then you exactly. can just trade. That all sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then you trade the Pokemon you don't have. Yeah, the real exciting thing is the elitism you get because you get Pearl, and then the plebs get Sapphire or whatever the other one was. I don't think it was Sapphire. <laughs> I don't play Pokemon very much. Well, what do you mean elitism? Aren't they the same? And do they cost the same? They do cost yep. the same, but yeah. one of them has better Pokemon than the other. Generally, and, like just randomly, you don't know which one. Well, or do you mean like the community has an opinion? On well, the, the difference between the two Pokemon versions is that some versions have particular kinds of Pokemon yeah. in them and it's because to get people to buy more games and also to trade between each yes. other. Yeah. Right. So, so some of them just have like uh, 
different Pokemon it's that subjective. Are, right, <laughs> are more popular. Okay, One could okay. say better. Yeah. Like, you know, yellow version of Pokemon. Sure. Well, yellow version is interesting because. Well, it's, yeah. And it's, they do that too, where they'll make a, they'll release a third one uh, that is basically got more special things in it. So they can buy all three. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's the the whole uh, thing I got suckered into uh, (laughs) with gold version and stuff because, um, I was like, I'm getting gold version. And Henry's like, well, I'm getting crystal version. So there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, uh, when we were growing up, me and my brother got uh, the old Pokemon games on the Game Boy. And uh, I think it, it must have came out a while ago because I got Pokemon yellow and my brother got Pokemon red. So I got to rock around with Pikachu and stuff and my brother didn't get to do that. But we would always compete about which one is the best. Obviously, yellow is the best. There's no competition there, but <laughs> uh, so that I mean that that's the whole marketing play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I mean I, I don't know the Pokemon ver- games well. I sure. know I know that they have different rosters and that it's it's meant right. at least in a pure uncynical sense for yeah. trading, yeah. right? Um, and even back in the Game Boy days, you could trade with the link cable and stuff. Mm-hmm. But is it is is it common uh, or common enough that people buy both of them, or does it, you really just pick one and you, then you normally never, you, you never just get pick one and you don't. You don't buy the other ones. Okay. These, that's how I've seen it yeah. done. Like there's, that's not a, there's not like a, a type of fan who will do that? Oh, I'm sure there are. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I mean uh, if you must have be, the means, I, like, <laughs> and you don't, if you have the means and you don't have a, a guaranteed person who will trade you. Right, right. Every time they announce one of these, I'm like, when are they just going to announce one of them? Right. You also, can't you know, just announce one Pokemon <laughs> game. Like even with the Let's Go, which isn't actually a Pokemon real. Right. It is, it's a real Pokemon game, but it's not a core <laughs> Pokemon whatever. Right, yeah, they making two of them. Yeah, that that when they when I saw the announcement video, I'm like, oh, they're just gonna make one of these, and they didn't. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. A lot of people are excited about the Eevee one because yeah. you don't really get to play as Eevee. It's always Pikachu, Pikachu this, Pikachu that. Yeah, but this one's got Eevee in it. Mm-hmm. Which I, Eevee is really popular, but I don't think you'll get to evolve Eevee in all of the different forms that Eevee can show up as. So, oh, that's uh, lame. At least I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, well, they well, can't give you everything. You got to buy that other copy. <laughs> DLC for yes. all the new Pokemon, new Eevee evolutions. Oh, dang. Mm. They also announced this little like peripheral. It's like a Joy-Con. It looks like a Pokeball. Yeah. And like, I, I was just railing on like selling extra things, but I think that's kind of cute. Like, for kids who are super into the yeah. into the role play element right. of that, I think they actually have a Pokeball. Yeah, I think that's kind of neat. And they're gonna throw it into their TVs. Yeah, it's gonna be really cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a joystick and one button. It's like yeah, that's cool. It's, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's it is neat. I agree. Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> uh, what what else is? I mean, what else is coming to E three? Like, Fallout seventy six. Yeah, that, oh, that yeah. just got pre announced, right? right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know anything about Fallout games, but. What's the deal with that one? Uh, it's like, apparently it's set like twenty years before the first Fallout game. Mm-hmm. And rumors have said like none of this has been confirmed. I think yeah, but like that's what they're saying. And also, it's supposed to be some multiplayer thing. It's supposed to be like a multiplayer survival game, like uh-huh. like Rust or uh, the other ones. Uh, that's weird to me because isn't the seventy six refer to like Vault seventy six? Yeah, like there's a whole lore so. about what's in each vault or something in Fallout, mm-hmm. and it feels like if they're going to call it that, why is it a multiplayer game? I don't know. <laughs> I know that, that seems weird to me too. And maybe there's a reason. I'm, I'm not sure. really I'm sure. There's a reason. Yeah, it just I'm, seems kind of weird. I'm to not me. really into Fallout very much, and yeah. I'm definitely not interested in a multiplayer Fallout game. But I'm yeah. sure some people are. So. Mm-hmm. They're trying to hook on to the marketing of Soldier seventy six from Over Overwatch. Yes. <laughs> oh, is that it? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. They knew what they were doing when they named it. Just yeah. like the new, that's why the new Assassin's Creed that they just announced Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Oh yes, right. Because you can capture people in that. Ah, okay. SEO. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like yeah, Assassin's Creed Odyssey uh-huh. is uh, well because got, it got leaked or something, and then uh, Ubisoft was like, nope, we'll announce it. Um, <laughs> and they just put out like a like a little teaser with like, yeah. one clip or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just started playing Origins finally, right? And I'm like not excited about it. Like, okay. I I like it okay, and it's like an Assassin's Creed game, so I'm just gonna play it and finish it. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, I'm I'm trapped forever. Um, but they had an extra year to work on it. It's not really any different to me. Uh, okay. Like, I don't know. But so it seems like this one, uh, they've been doing this thing now where they will release two Assassin's Creed games that are like a, a, a pair. Like oh. Unity and Syndicate were a pair. It yeah. is the same engine. They were set in roughly the same era. Oh, okay. And, and, and had some of the, they had a lot of the same mechanics. 
Um, they each have their own sort of special things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Black Flag and Rogue uh, were also like that. Okay. Um, where they, I, I think that's what it was. Um, and so um, they just get a little more mileage out of their, their tech. And I think that's what's, gonna, what's happening here. And after they took a year off and it was like, hurrah, no more yearly releases. But then they're like just back on it. it with, and, and not just that, an obvious like sort of semi-sequel yeah. in, in, in a sense. Well, I, though, apparently this is set in ancient Greece, this new one, which yeah. is 20 or 200 years before Assassin's Creed Origins. And evidently Assassin's Creed Origins is the origins of the Assassin's Creed. <laughs> or I don't know. That, I've noticed one of the things in, in Origins is they uh-huh. play it. I'm only like a third of the way through it now. Right. And they play a lot on um, on the um, on seeing those little first. There's like, oh, I recognize that from later games. Mm. And like for the, the story elements, okay, kind of interesting. But there's only so much you can do because in the end, you still jump off of a thing with, in an eagle pose into right. a bale of hay, yep. and it's like <laughs> just exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, like it's kind of belies that. But I don't know. I'm sort of I, I don't know. I'm going to play it probably. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like trapped forever. That's <laughs> <laughs> how they get you. I know. Yeah, I just want them to do a modern day one. Like they were, they were sort of every Assassin's Creed for a while was a little further forward yeah, in the timeline, right? Until then, they just b- went back. I yeah. think Black Flag was the first one that went backwards. Oh, uh, I think because they were. I mean, once you got to a colonial America, you can only go so far, and there would still be hay anywhere, right? So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's a big part. Right, of it. Yeah, what are they going to jump into now? <laughs> Out of garbage trucks, maybe. <laughs> But like I, Assassin's Creed is so ridiculous now. Like uh-huh. the first couple of games uh, had some sort of semblance of realism, yeah. And now there's, and I think that's why they didn't do a modern day one because it would actually be hard to for you to break uh, to have that um, that uh, uh, suspension of disbelief. Sure. Um, but now the games are so ridiculous. Now they got giant snakes. Yeah. So oh, like, so what? They might yeah, as well just do whatever they want. Just do yeah. a modern day one or do one in the forties or something. Like I don't know. <laughs> I would. No, nah, probably not. Never mind. Yeah. I was gonna say I get that, but I probably wouldn't. Like, what are you gonna jump off of? There's barely any buildings in the Oh, place. you know, actually, I was, I was just saying the 40s, but in Assassin's Creed uh, Unity, yeah. there's like a weird like glitch where you go to uh, World War II Paris and you do jump off the Eiffel Tower. Oh, of course you do. Because the Eiffel Tower <laughs> was not built yet in the era that Unity ah, was set. Right. And clearly someone was like, oh, great, let's, we're doing it in France. We can jump off the Eiffel Tower. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was totally like a backwards decision on that. Yeah. I, I can't believe it. So, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm reluctantly interested in that one. Okay. Know. You know, uh, assass- that, the, that one Assassin's Creed. I do know. Is in uh, Egypt. Yeah. And you know what else is in Egypt? Oh, no. <laughs> the Library of Alexandria. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And now we're going to talk about Code Library. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Just wonderful. Uh-huh. I've, uh-huh. Missed, I've missed those transitions. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so this is my topic, but real quick, the Library of Alexandria is in that game. Ah, uh, very and cool. There's a great article that we'll link in the show notes because I was just reading it about how the Library of Alexandria, nobody knows what it looks like. There are no records of it. Like um, the, a lot of there's some famous buildings. Because they burned down. With- well, yeah, it famously burned down. And there's lots of uh, contemporary accounts of the loss of knowledge, but very little about what the building was like or the structure of it. So in Assassin's Creed Origins, they kind of just invented it from very little. And it's really, it's fascinating, like that sort of, because that, that that game has its own like um like a uh, sort of social studies mode where you can walk through the the right. things and learn about it, and I think that's pretty cool. But with the with that, they just took total artistic liberties, mm-hmm. and it's I don't know. I find that sort of fascinating that they unlike a, a documentary series which has to be really upfront about like what they made up and what is their they, they just got to it's all fiction technically. So I don't know. And there's an article that talks about it. What they what they reconstructed was uh, was sort of interesting. I think it's on Waypoint. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. So this topic now code libraries. I'm going to talk about this a little bit because um, we've been working on Widget Satchel yes. uh, uh, pretty hard the past couple of weeks yep, yep. Uh, to build a, a, a demo that we're going to do uh, you know, for, for pitching purposes. And um, we've been um, using a, um, some uh, um, uh, things from the Asset Store. Uh, anyone who's familiar with Unity knows that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and it made me think about myself as a developer working in things outside of Unity and the way code libraries are generally used, uh, which is a little different from how Unity does it. And so it just got me thinking about like, just talk about it a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, sort of inspired this topic. So I don't really have a ton to say about it, um, but I wanted to sort of talk about like when you, when you use a third-party library. Like at what point do you, oh, I want this functionality. Oh, let me go out, let me go look to see if someone did something like that. Mm-hmm. Like what categories of functionality do you, do you do for that? Like what point do you decide, 
I'm going to go out into the wilderness and look rather yeah. than I'm going to actually build this. When I do it is when I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, somebody else has probably done this before. Yeah. I'm just going to buy it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> or well, I will ideally find a free version, right? <laughs> in the past, I was not able to afford that, but now I can. Yeah, so uh, I'll just buy it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, I guess that's my feeling. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how it is in like in larger companies, but I think that like like it's basically like a. That's, I think I take like a time versus cost. Uh, yeah, assessment of how much work it will take to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Will it take me twenty hours to do this thing? If if I can buy the asset for one dollar, it's probably worth it for me to buy the asset for one dollar instead right. of just spend the twenty hours. Uh-huh. So, yeah, that's my feeling. Yeah, I, when you say like do it, what mm-hmm. it is, yeah. in my mind, it has to be something that is so obvious. Like, yeah. like you know, like uh, Rewired is a great library that we're all fans of mm-hmm. uh, uh, for Unity that handles inputs, controller yeah. inputs. Yeah, and it does it much better than the native Unity system, and it's very nice. Um, but it's also not something that like. Uh, I would ever think to do on my own right. because it doesn't. There's no game design element in there necessarily. Yeah, like it's a, the it is something that is just a utility for my game. It has nothing to do with the design of it. I yeah. Oh, oh, sure. Like if you, you know. if you're building a, that's a good point. Like mm-hmm. you wouldn't you wouldn't try to. Uh, you probably wouldn't get a code library like to build core parts of your game. Sometimes I'll, you do. Oh. See, that's the thing is like there's. I think there's a little bit of a of a elitism about what you build yourself and yeah. what you don't. There's a there's a programming term. Um, not built here or something. Do you know what I'm talking about, Martha? It's um, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll find something about it. But um, it's this 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 prevailing philosophy of if we didn't build it here in this company or in this and this team, then it's not real necessarily. And so it, that ends up it, it kind of backfires on you a little bit um, because then you end up reinventing the wheel or whatever. But there are some things that um, like a lot of times, and Unity has these as well. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, um, uh, like en- they're not quite. Uh, sometimes they're called engines, but yeah. they're basically enough. And our episode on on uh, engines, SDKs, and APIs <laughs> talks about how these terms are fluid. Um, but um, uh, you can have certain things like oh, the two D platformer kit or something. Oh, right, and right, then yeah. It's like it does a lot for you, and then you expand on that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and I'm a little resistant to that. But I think that might just be a little bit of that not invented here. Sure. Thinking, okay. I see what you're saying. Um, where there's nothing, because uh, actually Unity now has a lot of these kits available. Yeah. Uh, in the past couple of months, I think, they've started releasing more of these, like getting started. Unity specifically has. Yep, Unity right. specifically. Yeah. Um, uh, for like, uh, I, I know there's a 2D platform one. There's a couple other ones, like uh, third-person shooter kits. And there's always been example assets mm-hmm. that include in the download. But I think they now have more like getting started systems where you can, it's, a lot of it is built for you. Do they have a point and click one? <laughs> Maybe it could well, um, because the, Martha, that's part of your problem is that uh, you wanted something uh, for your point and click that sort of ha- uh, had some of those wheels built already, and Unity doesn't have any of that stuff. Yeah, right. Uh, I just there's something fundamentally about Unity now that has I just don't get how to do it, and it's slowing me down so much that I've tried now been trying other engines that have been specifically built to do point and click because I'm like this seems like something everyone should have solved already like this isn't me doing something specifically for my game this is me trying to figure out how to do something that this genre of games has been doing forever Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah maybe I should look on the asset store I didn't even think to do that Yeah. well I mean there's um, I mean it's not the only thing you didn't like about Unity (laughs) right (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, I have. I've just gotten used to Unity now. Right. Like I had, a, I really hated it for the longest time. But I was just like, you know what? It's what everyone's making. It's the only. It's the best way to do something in VR really quickly. And so I just. And now I'm. I feel pretty proficient. Mm-hmm. But it took me a while. You. Yeah. You. You've taken on to it pretty well. I yeah. Think. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder if that's the case with other communities. Like that's the case here in Minnesota. We have yeah. a lot of Unity things. And in fact, like uh, Gravic, uh, who's locally housed in. in glitch mm-hmm. like they started with unity when unity started like they yeah. got to deal with them or something right they were one of the first companies to to offer themselves as unity developers right back in 2004 2005 like really when unity started mm-hmm. um and made their pedigree on a lot of those those early um that early era of, yeah. of unity yeah yeah um, so but I, I don't know if that's the case so like a lot of developers here yeah are Unity developers, but mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the case in other places. I think that's the case in other places. Yeah? Unity okay. is, um, they've put out their own stats at the, the last, uh, their last conference uh-huh. about, um, or at GTC they talked about it, how like, okay. uh, particularly in VR, like 80, 90% of VR is done in Unity. 
um, uh, certain uh, like some percentage of games on the I, I don't have these numbers now. Maybe yeah. we'll look them up, or you can listen or look them up yourself because they're <laughs> they're pretty they're pretty big. It's uh-huh. like uh, games on Steam, the percentage that are made in Unity. The uh, games on Itch, uh, Itch puts out their own numbers on these things. Um, uh, 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 VR games, like it, things that you can actually get the numbers. Unity is just dominant. Okay, in a lot of these places. Okay, um, okay. It's, it's a little. There's. I'm of two minds about it because um, it, it's nice that we all share these things, and so yeah. there's more knowledge. There's the, like just the amount of knowledge out there, and the amount of knowledge that people are sharing with each other yeah. is incredible and really kind of inspiring. Yeah. In a way. Um, but at the same time, it's the same problem that like in web dev, where like Chrome is taking over. It's like once everything is the same, then suddenly um, there's a, a, a not as much innovation, and there's some and stagnation. Sure, and then, right. Um, it, it, and, and then anyone who's using something else, some uh, it gets um, hindered in more ways than just the la- you know lack of resources. But then they feel like they can't find a community. Yeah, and that gets really frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Use Firefox, everybody. Yeah, they're a nonprofit. Did you know that? <laughs> I I didn't know that. Yeah, Firefox is the only browser maker that is not a big corporation. Um, I mean, apart from them being nonprofit, but like <laughs> they're the only ones who don't have a vested interest in some other business, hmm. um, okay. right? I mean, I guess Opera. So sorry, Opera. But <laughs> Isn't Opera owned by Nintendo? Weirdly, uh, I don't know, but Opera browsers would ship on Nintendo consoles. They were on the Wii, yeah, yeah. The Wii U browser is is an Opera based, uh, and the Nintendo DS, I think, one. Is. Yeah, although Opera, the actual mainline Opera uh, browser, uses Blink, the Chrome uh, rendering engine, now. Uh, they don't use their own engine anymore. Uh, so the only place you can get the original Opera-made rendering engine is on Nintendo platforms. <laughs> that's <laughs> amazing. That's yeah, funny. that's a little uh, sideline. Okay, so we got off topic here. Yes. <laughs> um, but that's because Unity is a big part of this. So uh-huh. Part of the reason why I wanted to bring this up because uh, in Metro Nexus, I use a lot of code libraries for different things, right. um, including a, a, a state machine uh, that handles my like scene management. Oh, um, as you know, that's something I would build on my own. I don't know how difficult it would be yeah. to build well, in Unity, it's literally just, you know, uh, scene manager dot load scene. It's part of the API. Oh, I mean, for, for different scenes, sure. Th- this is some, that's something that doesn't exist in other yeah, on, you right, know, right, platforms. Right. So, yeah. so I have a library for that. Okay. Um, uh, I also have a physics engine that's separate, which yeah. is a Box2D, which is actually the same physics engine that's, that's uh, part of uh, Unity mm-hmm. uh, by default, mm-hmm. uh, the 2D physics engine anyway. Um, and, and these libraries um, I, are not part of my project. Um, they are referenced... By my compiler, yeah, um, and I, I keep them in a separate place on my hard drive um, that then are their own repos, which I then pull whenever those repos have updates. So that's how that's managed. And so the thing with Unity is a little bit different, is because mm. you have everything you make in Unity goes into your project. Uh, you can't reference anything outside of it. Yeah, and um, that that really frustrated me when I started using Unity. Um, uh, but Especially because you have, if you get everything through the asset store, that's how you update things. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of Unity libraries that are distributed on GitHub, and there's no yeah. easy way to update those. Yeah. Um, and so it's sort of the uh, the tyranny of the uh, marketplace. Um, the um, uh, like, well, WordPress is like that too, where WordPress um, has uh, like marketplaces uh, for third party, and it's much easier to get those things through those sanctioned uh, things. Even though technically you can just put your code the code in your project if you want to. Yeah. Um, uh, also, hey, WordPress, hire me to fix your search function on your <laughs> plugin search and theme search and everything. It is the worst search function yeah. I've ever. You can never find any. This is off topic, but you can never find anything <laughs> you want. Like yeah. you're looking for a specific thing and you search um, and you search, but you can't sort by both relevant and like high, like highest number of downloads. Like that's mm-hmm. what you look for for the themes. Yeah, for themes yeah. is is like a high number of downloads because then you know that like it's not some scammy right whatever, which yeah. is makes it hard for new theme people to make themes. But neither here nor there. <laughs> you can't search by that, even though that's what everyone is looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's baffling. Well, I mean, that's interesting too because when you're looking for these libraries, like there's, I, I tend to just use Google, right? But when I'm in Unity. I tend to just search in the Unity Asset Store. Like that feels more like the correct and simple way to do it. And search in the Unity Asset Store is okay, but like, yeah, with WordPress, it's not great. Um, uh, Drupal, which has a, a central repository for its uh, third-party uh, plugins, uh, also its search is not great. You have to kind of like give it a bunch of parameters. You can't just do a default search. Oh, it's kind of tricky. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not a solved problem for a lot of these places, and it makes finding these things hard. And then you end up making things 
uh, that you, you, you know, little, you reinvent some wheels you didn't realize you have to. Sure. Um, so it is, I mean, it's definitely relevant. Um, and thinking about like um, uh, WordPress versus Drupal in that sense is that uh, Drupal's repositories are all by default, like its main repository is all open source. You cannot sell anything on Drupal's main, uh, like you can't, the normal, like, like um, the sanctioned way to distribute a third party Drupal plugin is you, you literally cannot sell it. You can only just put code up there. It's, it's not GitHub, it's not Git. Uh, it's a weird separate thing. It's kind of its own deal. Um, but I've always liked that. And that's why I've always had WordPress very difficult because... WordPress is the same thing. That's true, but they still have... Um, I mean, you can sell it other places. And it's it's part of... It becomes... Well, that's kind of what I mean is that it's um, part of the best ways to get uh, the best WordPress plugins is it's, it's mostly commercial uh, plugins. Whereas Drupal ha- has a, uh, an, a, um, an open source ideology that pervades to its tools and, and its culture. So it's actually really hard to, to, to sell something to a Drupal site administrator because they don't expect that. And so I find that sort of interesting because you think about like the Unity Asset Store. There's a lot of free stuff on the Unity Asset Store yeah. and like amazing how much free stuff yeah. is on there because some people do this amazing work and just give it away. And like it's, it, it's, it's kind of incredible, especially because the Unity Asset Store is called the Asset Store and the 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 expectation is that it's a store you go to buy things yeah. in. And uh, I mean, also there are things that are for ch- that are available th- that are cheap. Mm-hmm. So like, I- I'm not, I'm not knocking anyone for selling anything. It's, it's, in fact, I-, I think people, sh- I think those things are worth money. Like yeah. people should be selling them. Definitely. But um, it, there's a, um, it, it's different from other communities, which uh, they're, they're based on this idea of sharing code. Mm-hmm. So uh, if more code is available for free, then it encourages more people to give their code away for free. And so it becomes about a different, um, a different culture of these sorts of things. Yeah. Oh, um, it's like modding. A little bit. It's like kind of almost exactly like game modding. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> I could talk about that. That's for a separate topic. Yeah. We've gotten off topic a lot already. <laughs> this, so, is a, this is a perfect topic to get off topic. That's <laughs> true. That's true. So, okay. So we're, we're talking about assets and Unity and stuff. And yeah. they, they work similarly to how other code libraries work. Yeah, uh, I am unfamiliar with how code libraries work and other things. I know Mark, you brought up a, a few things. Yeah, do you use any code libraries in, in the web dev stuff that you do, Martha? Oh yeah, like what? Um, so for front end stuff, there's all these um, like CSS frameworks. Uh, so like instead of having to code your own grid, you download this library, put it in your project, and then you can put stuff in your HTML tags like this is two columns wide and mm-hmm. this is and it'll automatically make it you know responsive so when you put it on your phone it'll automatically squish it yeah uh, and like move stuff around That's for right. you um, then there's like front end frame uh, code frameworks so JavaScript frameworks like Angular and React are the popular ones and mm-hmm. Vue now is more open sourcey um, and not owned by a huge company but that has its own problems because it's just one dude making it and now it's gotten very popular. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, that's those things handle like, oh, I want to route pages in a way that doesn't, you don't have to call back to the server all the time. Yeah. Or it will, um, you can do stuff like make Ajax calls, which are calling back to the server after you've loaded the page. A whole bunch of stuff. You mm-hmm. can install different components of it and stuff. Yeah. How do you make the decision to go to a code library instead of just doing it on your own? Um, it depends on how much time you have. Yeah. And also... Oh, right. I imagine that like your decisions are different because you're like getting paid to do... Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to, like, I'm just doing it on the side. Sure. And, and also, like, how big a project it is. Okay. Like, I, and WordPress, like, WordPress, for example, is a, technically a PHP library. Right, yeah. Um, and you can hand code stuff on there Mm -hmm. but like when i was doing freelance stuff i would make wordpress websites for people because they were quicker to make Mm -hmm. and um most of the people who wanted like i was doing stuff for were like i need a website for my art gallery uh and it just needs to basically have my hours in a blog where i can like post like special events Mm -hmm. that's perfect for a wordpress thing you don't need to make a custom solution (laughs) for people Yeah. yeah And a lot of times, um, WordPress, for small business, like when I've done freelance for small business, yeah, WordPress sites, Drupal sites, things that are just, you can get it kind of up and running pretty quickly. And then you just do the, like, the visual design work and the theming and stuff. Um, but you, for those two, and like Joomla and other CMS sort of libraries, 
are um, they end up being way more than you need them for almost all of the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so a lot of times when I'm working on applications, I'm very wary of using code libraries that are, that are huge. Yeah. Uh, that I don't need a lot of. Um, but I don't know that that, I don't know, that might just be a feeling because there's certainly nothing wrong with it in web dev. And web dev is like really constrained in resources and, uh, you know, you can get away with a lot of that still. It's true. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's the other thing is that some people have found that like, yeah, going with the library actually makes it more work because yeah. you have to fight against what the library has decided yeah. is the way to do stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's that's one of my like reasons why I haven't done a lot of asset store stuff for Unity is because half the time, like when I look up assets, especially code assets, mm-hmm. trying to look up stuff for that, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, this part looks good, but I don't need all this stuff. And yeah. do, this sort of does what I want, but that's not really what I want. Yeah, yeah, right. Wow, this actually sounds very similar to modding. <laughs> it's kind of similar. It's yeah. like, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> like when I like when I'm uh, going into Skyrim and stuff, and I'm looking for particular kinds of mods. Like, I don't know. For example, I don't like it that in Skyrim, uh, you get health regeneration, a lot of health regeneration after you fight people. Because like there's no point in like having healing potions and stuff if you just heal it all back. So I'll look for specific things. Um, but it's different. It's difficult to find like no health regeneration because like there you can get a mod that just has no re- health regeneration. But you're limited in how many different mods you can have in Skyrim, or it'll crash if you have too many. Um, so like you'll try to get one that has a bunch of different features that includes that, but then you have too many features and you don't want all that junk in your, in your game. So like you'll try to find one that's less, but then it, then you don't have all the things you want Mm -hmm. or you have too many. There's a whole bunch of different balancing acts and stuff. Yeah. It's that's that's exactly, it's a really good metaphor. (laughs) I'm glad glad you stumbled on it. It's really clever. Yeah. But yeah, definitely that like have, yeah, it being too much more yeah. than you need. Yeah. Like, like what Martha was saying, there's an example in Widget Satchel where um, I wanted to, um, I was uh, building a main menu. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I'm just going to go to the asset store and see what main menu, because there's got to be, right? Yeah. We didn't do anything fancy. Right, right. It was just, we were, I knew we were going to rebuild it anyway later, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I found a, 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 an asset that was pretty good. And um, I found a, it was a paid asset, but I found a free version of it that yeah. gave fewer features than all I needed. Yeah. And then in the end, it became way too constraining. And oh. so I just dumped it and rebuilt it myself, and it took way less time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think a lot of that was me not understanding the, um, uh, the event systems, uh, the event system component, anyway. Sure. Uh, um, it's a bad title, actually. In Unity, like me not knowing it very well led me to try to find some, uh, an asset for it. Mm-hmm. And it implemented that a little bit. So I actually learned something from it even though I didn't end up liking its implementation and yeah. it constrained me, it ended up leading me to my own solution. So yeah. in the end, it was, you know, it wasn't what I needed, but it was, it was on the road to what I ended yeah. up needing. Yeah, so. I, I think like part of the, I don't, I don't tend to use the asset store that often, I'm yeah. realizing. Um, and I think part of the reason is a lot of, with a lot of my projects, I'm trying to understand, well, specifically Unity better or coding better and mm-hmm. stuff. And so I'll just try to do it on my own instead. Yeah. Uh, whereas, well, with certain things I don't really want to learn about because like, I can do it. I just won't, I don't want to like work on doing all these features. So like I'll get a tweening library or something. Yeah. I was like, who has the time to make a tweening library? <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but um, I, uh, with other things, I'll just try to make my own thing. So like I'll try to make a state machine or something on yeah. my own um, or something to that effect where, whereas I could like go and find something that implements it better, but mm-hmm. I want to learn about how it works. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I take the time, and it's interesting that you phrase it that way because mm-hmm. I find uh, in Metro Nexus, but Metro Nexus has been—it's a very long project, and I've done a lot of learning right. um, on the way. Right. And sometimes I forget how pivotal a lot of those uh, pro- parts of that project are to me learning really fundamental uh, elements of, of of software design. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it comes from me using a library and then just trusting it worked, and then just using the API calls, but right. not knowing how it worked. Yeah. And then later, months or years later, going back and then having examples and being able to walk through it, and then learning more about, um, about how those things are built. Mm-hmm. And so having those examples to draw from, because I'm not very good, and we'll get into this, well, sort of, but like tutorials. Yeah. Um, I'm not great at uh, learning from co-tutorials. I'm much better at learning from doing yeah and so having a bunch of code that i don't understand in my project 
is actually a good uh, impetus for me to then learn how it works. Yeah. So it's kind of the opposite of what you're saying is where like uh, uh, when I when it's in there, I have the need to figure it out eventually. Sure. Um, whereas I, th- I I'm, and a lot of people, the whole point of having it there is you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. I don't. I guess I don't let that happen. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. No. I mean, whatever gets it yeah. to the, at the end of the day, you learn something about. You learn yeah. something about not only your game, but like how code works yeah. and all the different features. But web stuff. dev is totally like that. Like, yeah. I don't know about you, Martha, but that's how I learned CSS is from having a bunch of other people's CSS uh, files in my projects and then me having to dig in and figure out how, what they were doing. So I don't know about you, Martha, but for web dev, I also learned a lot of that, PHP and CSS, through having a lot of other like libraries and files that other people had made in my own projects and then me having to learn how to use it that way rather than me slowly building it up. Like I find it harder to learn that way. I don't know about you. Yeah. Well, I've learned different things, different ways. Mm -hmm. Like I've learned PHP badly from reading PHP code. That's bad. Uh, That's not your fault though. (laughs) That's PHP's fault. (laughs) Hey, I I like it too. (laughs) Um, But like CSS and HTML, I learned by like making my own things yeah. uh, and looking at other people's just wasn't as helpful. Yeah. It's a difference between it being like a, a scripty language and it being a markup language. <laughs> yeah, that could be. That's true. Yeah, HTML definitely uh, other people's code is not generally readable. Uh, it's, harder to, it's harder to do clean comments in markup languages and so there aren't as many clean comments in markup languages. <laughs> So that might be part of it too. It's just visually more cluttered. Like there's a whole lot of reasons for these things, I guess. Mm. Um, but I, I mean, I just that the idea of these code libraries being very useful, not just for what they do for your project, but for you learning how to make your own things, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I, t- I try to look at it in different ways. And it's very conditional, I suppose. Right. Um, but I find Unity makes that a little harder because um, weirdly, Unity requires you to have all these things in your project, mm-hmm. but it doesn't ever want you to look at them. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. A lot of times they're compiled as DLLs as well, so you can't yeah. actually even do any inspection of the code. Yeah. Although that's not as true anymore. A lot of codes, uh, uh, libraries, even that you pay for, will give you access to the source code. That's becoming more and more common, and I think that's a good attitude. Um, because a lot of times I buy these things not just for their functionality, but to do some learning. Right. Right. Speaking of learning things. Hey, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Beat me to it. You, you can't have them all, Martha. <laughs> well, maybe you can. Maybe you should. <laughs> the delivery is on point. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of learning things. Oh, yes. It's my topic. Oh, uh, tutorials. We're just waiting over here. <laughs> <laughs> Someone needs to teach me how to transition. Uh, yeah. So we've been working on a. We've been like I, I internally sort of debating on like tutorialization in widget satchels. So. Yeah. Uh, and th- I thought it was a good topic to bring up because mm-hmm. like I've dealt with tutorials in the past with, with Vengeance and other such games uh, and uh, and in fact I'm working on a tutorial in um, in uh, Treasure Stack right now yep. sort of as soon as I fix the bugs uh, <laughs> and I, I want to know how the heck do you make a good tutorial mm-hmm. because it is not easy yeah it's I feel like it's one of the hardest hardest things to design for because like a lot I think a lot of people will like build up the functionality and stuff and they, uh, they'll design all of the things you can do in it. And then like they have a really good quality product and like, yeah, this is great, but no one knows how to actually start it. And if no one knows how to start it, then no one is going to start it. Yeah. So you have to teach people how to start it. It's important, but it's also difficult because you don't want to beat them over the head with it because then they'll, just, they'll get bored and they'll just leave. So like you have to, this is a, it's a tricky a, a balancing act. Yeah, you you expect that players come to it knowing absolutely nothing, right? But also don't don't want to be told anything. Yes, <laughs> so it's that's not, exactly it. It's kind of impossible, <laughs> pretty much. And that's the topic. <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> I think that I think that like I I found that the best tutorials are the ones that like you don't realize you're being in a tutorial. Yeah. Uh, like 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 you're just playing through the game and the game is like hinting at things. You can jump with the A button. Like there's a little gap. You can't cross over the gap. You're like, how do I cross over the gap? Mash yeah. all these buttons. Oh, a button. I ho- I hopped. Maybe I can use that to climb over this this gap. Um, I think I find those to be more interesting than the one that's like, press A to jump. Do it now. Yeah, you did it. Good job. <laughs> now move on to the next gap. It's larger. Can you press A to jump? I don't. That's boring. <laughs> I think a good 
example of that is in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. You're, you're, you're stuck in that one little area of the map, but right. you end up learning about all the different mechanics yeah. in that one little area. Right. What's really interesting about Breath of the Wild is that you don't have to learn all of the mechanics because there's a bunch of different things you can do to get past stuff. Like, I think um, there's this one part you're supposed to build a tree bridge to get to the other side or something, and I feel like I crossed it some other way. I can't remember how I did it. I think I did too. Yeah, <laughs> because, because that might have been an example of it not expo- telling me what it wanted me to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because Breath of the Wild, even though it does do a pretty good job of explaining those things, it does literally explain them to you. It does. It throws up text and tells you, mm-hmm. and that's kind of my thinking. Is that like a lot of times you want that Mario one one? Yeah. Like it, it's it's obvious. Or like you're saying you come across a gap and you have to jump it. And you need to learn it. Right. Yeah. Those are that's perfect. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with if you if you have to do a if you have to do if it's so convoluted to explain it in media res, yeah, then it's okay just to tell the player. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that's a failure of design right. necessarily. I think you should make a lot of effort to not have to do that. Yeah, but I don't think it's because uh, Breath of the Wild is a good example. People love that game and felt it very intuitive, but literally everything is explained to you verbatim over and over again, and it didn't really bother that many people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you you do have to not annoy people. I guess that's rule one, right? Right. That is, yes, definitely rule one. Yeah. You don't want people being annoyed with the tutorial because they will just stop playing the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So an example in Widget Satchel mm-hmm. is uh, when you get in the game, you, you, you at the end of each level, you buy a doohickey, which yes. is like a power-up. Yeah. And the power-ups are like one of them lets you jump on enemies. One of you lets the, uh, is a wrench that you can attack them with. Mm-hmm. One of them is a magnet that you can pull things. Right, yeah. And they all do different things, and you can buy them in whatever order. So the, the, our level design has been kind of tricky and right. sort of making it for multiple types of, of playthroughs. Um, so one of the things I implemented um, relatively recently was after, the, after you buy one of these uh, power-ups, immediately the next room will automatically change to be something where you need that item to progress. Yeah. And, but it's not a puzzle. It's just something where you need to figure out what the button is. Right. And, and we don't do any kind of text or overlay or anything. And that feels really natural. And I've watched people play that. And I'm very pleased with how the reality reaction has gone. Because then you don't have to explain. And if you have already, in earlier parts of the game, told them what this button does... They're gonna forget, right? Or they're yeah. not, or they're gonna just like not be interested in right. knowing, or they're gonna ignore it. Yeah. And so this just forces them without without it being a difficult without it being difficult for gameplay. Right. And it, it's it's pretty clear because like you just got this thing, and like we don't explicitly tell you uh, press X to use magnet. Yes. Well, it's B. Press B to use yeah. magnet. But uh, we also don't tell you what the magnet uh, does. Right. Yeah. We're not very descriptive about how the magnet. But like we yeah. have this room next, and you have to figure out what it is. You just bought this thing, so like contextually, you're like, hmm. I just got a thing. Maybe I can use this thing. Yeah. And then you try using the thing and it works. Mm -hmm. Like the player figures that out on their own. Yes. Uh, And it's not us telling them how to do it. Yeah. Giving them that moment of discovery is when you can is pretty important. Yeah. Um, And then on the other side where we've had more difficulty is uh, we have a mechanic in the game where as you collect uh, widgets, which are used to buy these power ups, Mm -hmm. they fill your satchel and you get the player gets heavier. It's harder to jump. Right. Yep. And actually explaining the player how that works. We have a couple places in level one where as you pick them up, the same jumps become harder. Yeah. And some players have figured it out, but it's not as easy to do. And if we were to just make level one a ton of those things, yeah. it would actually be very tedious. Right. So it's actually more efficient for us just to tell you that as you pick up widgets, that things get heavier. Mm-hmm. We don't, we're not explicit about it. We kind of hint at it, and we're still calibrating how, that's gonna, how we tell it. But I think that's an example where it's okay just to tell you. Right. Um, this is this is where our debate is. Happening. This is where we're sort of yeah, we're just because trying to figure out exactly how we're to trying do to this. figure out the best way to get it. Yeah, so we haven't fully decided exactly, but my my opinion is that like if we the more we try to make that that learning mm-hmm. like we do with the doohickeys, yeah. the more tedious level one will become. Sure, and uh, so it's okay to do it a different way, and that aha moment of figuring it out is not quite as valuable. At least it doesn't seem to be. Yeah, I don't know, but again, we're still trying to figure it out. This takes a lot of time. Yeah. I felt like in uh, the AAA space, and especially in mobile games, um, they will just make sure that you can do this thing before you start actually playing the game. Mm. And so they will be, their their tutorials are very slow, uh, slow paced yeah. and like deliberate and step by step um, in order to make sure that you can. tap this for this. Yeah. Like very, very. They will, yeah. They like yeah. literally force you not to be able to do other things. When I was working on concrete, so, uh, doing QA for them, uh, like a lot of the games had that stuff like you have to do this and you have to you can't do other things until that 
I'm like, I don't really want to buy anything. I want to save these coins. But they're like, no, you got to spend your hundred coins on this item that you don't want. Yeah. And that never felt good to me. Um, so I guess that would be an example of a bad tutorial. I had a tutorial like that in Metro Nexus yeah. that I, I had where you, um, it had in the upper left, you had a, an, an image of a game controller. And as you pressed buttons and moved the sticks, the controller on the screen would update. Yeah. And then in a little tiny window on the right, which is like a little version of the level that you would drive in, and it would just be step-by-step step explaining to you what this button does, what this button does, what this button does. Mm -hmm. And it worked. People understood it. Yeah. But it took forever, yeah. and nobody had fun. Right. So, and that's difficult to test those things, especially in the environments we were testing them in, like playtest environments where people just want to play. Mm. Um, I still haven't figured out a better way to do it. But yeah. that's been out of my game for many months because it wasn't... It worked, but it wasn't. People didn't like it, mm. and that's the difference. Is like, does it have to do both? Does it have to work? And do people have to like it? Or because <laughs> if they like it and it doesn't work, then is it? You know, I don't know. It's hard to serve both of those yeah. those qualities. Yeah, I don't know, um, Martha. We played. Remember when we we played through uh, the, the tutorial for Metro Nexus? That did was a long. Yeah, we did. I remember we yeah. were like watching over you when it was on your laptop. Oh, it was. So that was a long, long, time, a long, ago. long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. It did make it was record recording or something. I made you guys play it. Yes. You don't remember anything about it, Martha? Do you? I do not. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you had you were doing cutscenes. Yeah. Uh, and figuring out how to do those and figuring out how to do like the text and how much text you wanted and stuff. Yeah. That's a separate issue because there's two, the, the tutorial that Steven is remembering mm. um, is about uh, what buttons do what. Yes. Right. And the one, what you're remembering is explaining the rules of the game, like wins conditions and, and explaining, putting that in the context of the story. And like, those are two separate challenges and mm. both of them are not, Complete, like they're not. I'm not. Uh, I've, I've tried very di many different versions yeah. of all of those. It's such a challenge because no one wants to read a manual. Right. No one who comes to play your game is interested in the things you're interested in. Yeah. And uh, and 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 the testing environments that we have available to us are much more limited. Right. Um, than say a big company has, um, or uh, like the home user has. It's like right. they can experience it in a different way. Yeah. One thing I found that's been pretty successful for Fingence is to just give players um, a brief moment to experiment with everything they mm -hmm. have. Because um, then they can just figure stuff out on their own, or not figure stuff out if they don't want to. I guess, yeah, which can be detrimental. But um, you just, I guess, I, I just trust the player. They'll press all the buttons and see what all the buttons do, and if that works, then it works. Mm -hmm. uh, what it, we used in Fingence, we used to have like a literal introductory level where it would teach you like moving and shooting, and uh, we encouraged the use of gadgets and stuff. Yeah, um, but that ended up feeling it, it slowed down the pace of the game, and it felt boring especially when you're going through it more than uh, once mm -hmm. every time yeah we only had like a couple of different like variations of it so like it was it, it felt samey mm -hmm. um and now we just we just give players a little open like 15 seconds of open space or however long it is and oh it's can, much less than that it's yeah, a good it's, amount it's of not, time yeah it's, it's a good amount of time it just it's I like four or five seconds yeah it's right? not a lot it's but, not a lot of time but that's plenty of time yeah it's plenty of time yeah. for players to figure stuff out um i like and that's why it was so successful at ASEN, really, is like people could just walk in and they press all the buttons and they see, oh, A button is shoot. And then they match the A button and I can't tell them not to do that. And I wish I could, but yeah. uh, they'll, they'll, but it doesn't matter because they're figuring out how to shoot and they're figuring out how, how the gadgets work. And, um, and then they just go on their way and they work as a team and then they, they pick up stuff on together too. Like part of the reason that it works is because they're all together in their co op. And they might see what other things are, how they're affecting their own play style and how mm -hmm. they're play, affecting their play. And then they can use that to, to, to um, tell players what works and what mm -hmm. doesn't and what's good and what's bad and yeah. all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So like, I found that very valuable. Having an open space uh, is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things I've done when I show off Metro Nexus mm -hmm. is, because um, I like the controls in my game, uh, because it's a it's a single screen battle game. Yes, I can't really give players the same amount of space necessarily. And there's a there's a charging fire mechanic that like is hard to just make it supernatural, right? Like so uh, or supernatural. So <laughs> um, so and I'm okay, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with people just having to read the manual for like that part of it. Like yeah. it's a it's a running and jumping experience. But like who knows what button does what? And yeah. like it, anyway. Um, but, um, what I've found really valuable is, um, one, I, uh, when I'm showing it off, I have like little, uh, uh, um, uh, diagrams of the controller, like 
in the space, like yeah. like for people to look at. Mm-hmm. I also in the pause menu have the controller and options, and I do that in Widget Satchel too. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I think it's good for demos. I don't know how necessary it is for home, for when you buy a game, but I still like it. I still yeah. want to put it in all my yeah. games um, rather than have to go digging around for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also when I'm showing off the game, I like when someone figures it out. I ask them to explain it to other players. <laughs> Because nice. that, cause that more mimics how you play games with people. Yeah, that is. And, yeah. and I feel that it's it it it's and maybe this is just me like uh, uh, biased because I feel like um, it lets me off the hook a little bit. Mm. But I think it's okay to let like players explain it to other players yeah. and like to, to actually the game. to leave some of that just out of the game yes. and just let people figure it out the hard way. Literally, that's how board games work. Yeah, because the board game developer is not going to be there to tell you how to play the game. Right, you so have like, to read the instructions. Yes, you have to read the instructions. So people will read the instructions or look at the board and attempt to play the game. Yeah. So I guess most of the time, it, that's interesting how board games are so different in that like people will read the instructions intentionally because it's all they have. Yeah. Right. It's I never thought of, but you're right. Like the, the expectations are different. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Like the example I was telling you before we started was in uh, old arcade games. You'd have the buttons would say what they did printed yeah. on the cabinet. Yeah. And we just can't do that anymore, right? You know, um, you just expect everything to be tutorialized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I did want to bring up fighting games. Should I bring up fighting games? You didn't want to complain about a lot of stuff in this topic, you said. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fighting games have bad tutorials. The reason why is because like there's a bunch of different, there's a whole bunch of things in in fighting games like that you have to pay attention to. There's 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 uh, hits done and and all the different attacks you can do and all this different stuff um, but fighting games don't like oftentimes they will just let the player figure it out on their own but because the game is so complicated and uh, it's competitive it's difficult to pick up on that stuff what fighting games have recently been doing now is like they'll be implementing it in their in their stories uh, in their story modes so like they'll uh, uh, like they'll teach you how to punch and how to kick and what, what the benefits and disadvantages of each are um, during the game, and they'll like test you on it by like having your opponent uh, combat you in that way, against you in that way, or something. Mm-hmm. So maybe like this opponent is really weak against kicks. Um, so you got to learn how to use kicks in order to defeat him. Um, so yeah, I guess that's my side. Yeah, fighting games. <laughs> how is um? How does Smash do it? Because my ex- my limited experience is that Smash does not explain to you how to play. The only way Smash does it is they have this little intro uh video. It's mm-hmm. pretty good because it's like a, it's like thirty seconds or something yeah. long, and they just tell you how all, what all the controls do. Okay, okay. They don't go in specifics on like how every character works either. Right, right, right. So well, that what's a, the benefit of Smash is the controls are the same for all the characters. Right, but right. every character like controls differently. Like for example, Shulk is in Smash Four, mm-hmm. and his B button he has different modes uh, in mm. it. So you have to like press the B button a bunch of different times in order to switch to different modes, and that's oh, not sure. explained anywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. You just have to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One thing I liked in Brawl was the Substase Emissary, the single player mode. Yeah. I just liked that. Mm. But also, it got me a, a handle on the controls because yeah. I had that space right. to learn it. That's true. Yeah, I think they gave you a decent space. And like the, the pace of that is much slower than a regular yes. Smash yeah. fighting. And it didn't feel like a tutorial. It was, yeah. you know, it was, I, I was motivated to play it for its own sake, and then I, had, I got to learn extra things. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's our show. If you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app and be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or are nice like us. We really need to know you're out there, so leave a review and tell all your friends too. We also want to hear directly from you, so follow us on Twitter and all the other things at Nice Games Club. Lastly, you can find out more about the show in your nice host as well as get the links and show notes from this and other episodes at nicegames.club. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. I remember I liked that you were talking a lot about the the how you're doing the man I can't talk today sorry I'm so sorry whoever's editing this probably me um (laughs) well now it's you (laughs) 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.